Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and tonight, coming to you at 11.32 p.m. Eastern Time from Columbus, Ohio, we're going to break down the Falcons' 25-17 victory over the Panthers on Thursday Night Football and also go over some of the key injury notes and news to watch ahead of Week 8. Hope everyone enjoyed this uh, rainy thir- edition of Thursday Night Football. It wasn't maybe the shootout uh, we were all hoping for and you know maybe some DJ, more fancy football managers out there. We were a little more pissed off than usual up until the very end and even then not super happy. But anyway, uh, let's get on with it. So uh, in this matchup, yeah, it was just a situation where the Falcons, and Panthers alike. I mean, they were able to move the ball up and down the field, particularly the Falcons. For most of the games, we just kept seeing drives stall out. It must have been an excruciating, uh, you know, just game really just the whole 60 minutes for anyone that was betting the over because, I mean, the Falcons, you know, go right up and down the field in the first quarter, have to settle for two field goals. They were like on the five-yard line on fourth and one. You know, they did the just bullshit thing where they go and go up the line of scrimmage, don't actually snap it. The defense never jumps off sides and they burn a timeout and kick the field goal after. So, uh, you hate to see that, but they were able to go back down. Matt Ryan scored a rushing touchdown, uh, scooted in, uh, uh, just kind of scrambled off the right side. And the Panther defender that should have been able to get him uh, just slipped and fell. Again, it was slippery out there uh, with all the rain coming down. You know, like a typical quarterback, Matt Ryan, after getting the uh, rushing touchdown, just acted like he had the most swagger ever. Just anytime those guys at, at that position do anything athletic, it's just maddening how uh, how they act like that. You know, that's what they're always pulling out there. But anyway, uh, Falcons went on, you know, just kicking field goals. Other than that, I mean, we had Todd Gurley get a touchdown uh, later in the fourth quarter. NFL rushing touchdown leader Todd Gurley uh, to everyone out there. But other than that, you know, we just didn't see all that uh, much, you know, just explosive play. Goodness for the Falcons, unless they were throwing the ball to Julio Jones. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, with those just deep end routes that we've seen him get to Julio over the years, uh, just always something special. And it was it was hitting heavy, heavy, heavy and uh, often uh, early because they were just really feeding Julio early on, even before Calvin Ridley uh, got hurt. Unfortunately, it is an ankle injury for Ridley. He was kind of holding his foot when it happened. You know, he uh, wasn't going off before uh, necessarily, but was having some good moments with Yak. And, you know, it's one of these things where, uh, you know, really whenever he gets those eight targets, uh, it's usually going to be a big game. Only had four tonight and, you know, had three catches of 42 yards before he had to exit early. Hopefully not too severe, but again, was not good that he got ruled out, you know, at halftime and just wasn't able to even try to come back out and play on it. In his absence, I mean, it's going to be the Julio show. Uh, Russell Gage hasn't necessarily seen a ton of extra targets. You know, when one of these outside receiver leaves, he's kind of just stuck there in the slot. Normally, I thought it was, an, okay, I've worked on this uh, pronunciation and everyone, Olamide Zacchaeus is the one that, uh, you know, we've seen in past games kind of step up when Ridley uh, is sidelined. But this game, we actually saw Christian Blake play 34 snaps and Zacchaeus only nine after Ridley went out. So they're going to be thin play regardless if, if Ridley misses time. But, uh, you know, situation worth more monitoring for you know the deeper leagues out there but yeah great game from Julio seven catches 137 yards on 10 targets all three of Julio Jones's incomplete targets were in the end zone just one of these things where you know I do think we should change the name of you know a performance where a receiver gets over 100 receiving yards and no scores let's just call it a Julio I mean he does lead the NFL history in that stat Julio Jones has 29 career games now uh, with over 100 receiving yards and zero touchdowns nobody else has more than 22 I believe it was uh, Andre Johnson and Jimmy Smith tied at 22. Obviously, this is one of those things like how people criticize LeBron, you know, for losing the finals. It's like, oh, well, would would Hill be better off, you know, getting 90 yards and not scoring a touchdown? I get it. You know, he's he's the man. I'm not hating on the guy, but it truly is just wild that, you know, a guy can be this good and just struggle to find the end zone as often as it kind of seems like it plays out for him. Uh, With this Falcons backfield, you know, we saw Gurley end up racking up 18 carries, uh, you know, not very efficient, 46 yards, did have the touchdown, was just, you know, a zero in the 
passing game, but the snaps were really a lot closer than we've uh, grown used to seeing here in recent weeks. So Gurley ended up playing 36 offensive snaps. Brian Hill is at 24. And Quadri Allison sitting down there at six. So, you know, Gurley was still a league guy. We have seen, you know, in games in the past where when it's kind of gotten out of reach for the Falcons, they've gone more with a Brian Hill or Ito Smith, who is inactive in this one on passing downs. But to see the Falcons really build a lead and then not uh, give the ball to Gurley as much as you uh, kind of would think that they might, surprising to see. And it wasn't like they were up multiple scores or anything, but it was a lot of Brian Hill. He looked a little bit better than Gurley. I mean, 11 carries, 55 yards. I do think uh, Brian Hill, you know, if he just took Everyone their touches this year, you're going to see a little bit more explosive back than Gurley at this point in their careers. But I don't think uh, Hill's going to necessarily carve out a fantasy viable role, and Gurley's still the one they kind of want to get uh, most of the action to inside the five yard line. So wasn't the best performance from Gurley. I wonder if some of that had to do with that boneheaded play from last week where he went in the end zone. He had another bad one at the end of this game where he should have been staying in bounds and he ended up going out uh, when they were trying to kill the clock. But not great awareness from Todd Gurley. We'll see if uh, Madden takes note. But either way, I do think he's going to continue to kind of flirt with this 20 touch mark more weeks than not. On the Panthers side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater, 15 for 23, 176 yards, touchdown and a pick, was getting kind of pressured a lot. And the Falcons were sending some uh, interesting blitzes at him that the offensive line wasn't necessarily helping him out a lot with. Scary moment when he tried to scramble, kind of got like tripped and then turned and then just got cheap shot in the back of the head uh, by a Falcons player who was immediately ejected after that. But, you know, Teddy passed a concussion protocols. They were calling it a neck injury. He ended up coming in and trying to finish it out. Threw a pick at the end of the game, trying to force it to DJ Moore, which uh, sounds weird to say because that was not the reality for pretty much the first 54 minutes of this game. Uh, DJ Moore ended up with six targets, caught two of them for 55 yards. I thought he almost got hurt on the first play of the game. Uh, Teddy tried to force it to him and looked like DJ was kind of rubbing his shoulder, but we literally just didn't see targets really until uh, deep into the fourth quarter, other than maybe one or two in there. So DJ, when he got his first one, he broke two tackles, including a vicious stiff arm, and then Teddy just lofted one up deep and DJ was able to come back to it after you know toasting AJ Terrell on a double move and came down to a 42 yards so the guy showed exactly why you know we love him in fantasy he gets the air yards and he's also a beast after the catch you know he's gonna have uh weeks where he's a little bit more involved i think uh, it's pretty clear that's gonna be the case but even with you know this just near worst case scenario game for dj moore it's wild that he managed to outproduce uh robbie anderson at least from a receiving yards perspective anderson had eight targets caught five of them for 48 uh scoreless yards but you know it truly is 1a 1b at the top of this uh wide receiver room we did see curtis samuel get a lot more more involved uh, than I think in past weeks. You know, kind of noted this in the uh, wide receiver cornerback column. I publish every week. You can find that on pff.com. That is free of charge, everyone, not even behind a paywall. Uh, love all you readers out there. But anyway, with uh, one thing I noted that was, you know, with Seth Roberts going to Green Bay now, uh, Curtis Samuel wasn't, you know, he's been banged up. He wasn't really a lock to be playing uh, in every down roll. We did see him in this game out there alongside DJ and Robbie just as often, you know, as, as, uh, yeah, it was him, Robbie, and DJ Moore in the main uh, three wide receiver sets all game. And we saw some backfield work, ending up with three carries, 23 yards, and then another touchdown, uh, 12 yards right up the middle to cap off a drive where Mike Davis really helped get him down there. So great stuff uh, from Curtis Samuel. You know, I'm calling him the millennial Percy Harvin, everyone. And you can say that's an insult to Percy. Look, they're both, you know, Urban Meyer, RB wide receiver, hybrid disciples. And Curtis Samuel is 24 years old. Like give this guy a little bit more time. It hasn't exactly been, you know, the uh, most structured, structured kind of start to his career. He was injured as a rookie. Then he had to go through the Kyle Allen experience. And now, you know, he's adjusting to Teddy and he's been injured again. So uh, we still 
see, you know, the pure speed. Troy Aikman couldn't say enough good things about the guy in the broadcast. I'm biased as a, you know, a, a just Columbus, Ohio lifer. But, you know, Curtis Samuel, truly good at football, in my opinion. And I think, uh, you know, the nation will agree with me uh, one of these years before it's all said and done. Uh, with the Panthers' backfield, yeah, Mike Davis just dominating snaps per usual. 13 carries, 66 yards, also chipped in. One catch for 11 yards. Not, you know, the kind of RB1 game we were hoping for with someone getting, you know, a true uh, Christian McCaffrey-esque workload. But, you know, it is what it is when you're not able to find the end zone or and, and just have Teddy Bridgewater only throwing uh, 23 passes. It was, it was just one of these games, again, where the Panthers uh, – kind of had this happen against the Saints where they just didn't weren't able to sustain drives and the Falcons were so we didn't see you know a ton of just play volume for the Panthers and they did have two fourth and ones get stuff and they were moving the ball at the end of the game they had every chance to win this was not you know a dominant uh, Falcons victory by any stretch of the imagination but they got the job done when is a win is a win 25-17 Falcons kudos to them uh, last point I will make I forgot to mention this before uh, Hayden Hurst uh, Falcons tight end he ended up having five catches 54 yards and seven targets had a really nice one where he was running down the seam and the ball was, you know, barely off the grass. And, you know, it actually got a tweet out of Des Bryant where he was saying, you know, I go up, sky up in the air, take a million steps and reach for the pylon. But that's a catch. Uh, good jokes out of one of the best wide receivers of the past 10 years, and I am very excited to see if Dez has anything left in the tank against the Ravens. So, good Thursday night football game. Maybe not the best, but, uh, you know, I think after, you know, look, looking ahead to what we got on Sunday night, Cowboys-Eagles, uh, I think we can certainly say this might just be already the uh, second or first best primetime game of Week 8. Quick shout out to our sponsors here at Monkey Knife Fight before we get on to some injuries. Uh, everyone, every depositor that goes to Monkey Knife Fight, first time depositors that is, and puts at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just 20 bucks, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Love the fine folks over there. Monkey knife fight. All right, everyone. I've gone through all the injury reports now, usually on Fridays by five, six o'clock, depending on when the West Coast teams uh, get done with the work. But usually we'll know kind of the questionable doubtful out in game stats by then and the rest of them coming an hour and a half before kickoff on Sunday so you know we'll have more information out Friday make sure you know you go to pff.com check out Mario Pilato's uh, injury analysis article and then just you know keep an eye yourself on Twitter throughout the weekend but we got a lot going on this week I mean truly if you're in some high stakes leagues or DFS you know you just, you just got that rivalry game in the season long league and you don't want to take an L this week by any stretch you know maybe try to carve out an extra half hour before one o'clock because there's just a lot of moving factors here so without further ado we'll get into some of these situations uh, with the Seahawks backfield, Chris Carson is dealing with his foot, foot sprain. Carlos Hyde has a tight hamstring. And Travis Homer, knee bruise. None of them practicing this week. Uh, Pete Carroll said Carson is a game-time call. Sounds like he's more on the doubtful side. Questionable, though. And then we have uh, Carroll saying that Hyde's issue is nothing major. And uh, like I said, Homer's injury is just a knee bruise. So seems like we'll see Hyde, Homer, DJ Dallas out there. I think we can treat Hyde as a legit RB2. I mean, the hamstring injury was concerning at first, but they're making it out to be a non-issue. Who knows with Pete Carroll? I'm not necessarily trusting his coach. Uh, Coach speak definitely monitor Friday, but they might just be getting them some extra rest. Again, none of these running backs are there. We haven't seen the Seahawks, you know, make any big time uh, just personnel moves to add to the position. So, you know, with DJ Dallas, don't think they quite uh, trust him yet with some of the uh, just mistakes he's made to this point. Carlos Hyde, I believe, is my RB20 going into this week. Wouldn't expect anything major. And, uh, you know, I hope he didn't break the fab, uh, you know, just chart on him because we are going to get Carson back sooner rather than later. But he's a legit RB2 if active inside of this offense for sure. 
Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson with a toe injury. Looked like he was all sorts of banged up at the end of last week, but he was already a full participant Thursday and is good to go. He's been the number one wide receiver when healthy. Just a really brutal matchup against the Ravens, truly. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes, we just haven't seen anyone, you know, get going against this secondary. So Deontay could definitely, you know, win out and be a wide receiver too uh, with the double digit targets, but I'm treating him as more as an upside wide receiver three in the spot and just kind of, you know, tempering expectations for his entire Steelers offense. Uh, Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker with a groin injury has been limited. This has kind of been the case throughout the year with different injuries. When he's been limited, he's usually played. So expect him to be out there, but this Rams off, uh, this Rams matchup just really sucks. They're doing some really good things out there on defense. I encourage everyone to check out a Seth Galino's piece on um, PFF.com. He's our, you know, one of our best college football writers and just, he was looking at, uh, and he does awesome NFL stuff as well. I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, just put him in college football. Anyway, uh, he was just going into some of the really cool scheme stuff that the Rams are doing this year and how they've, you know, made life so tough on opposing passing games by putting more resources there, but not really giving up that much against the runs uh, still. So really smart stuff there. And, you know, in this matchup with Tua and Tua's first game, he has to go up against, you know, truly what's been one of the better defenses in the league this year. You know, Fitz was already playing so well. I'm just really, you know, other than Miles Gaskin, I would say try to try to start someone else other than these Dolphins this week. We just I'm, I'm thinking this could be a pretty low floor, uh, at least this first week or two as Tua kind of gets his feet wet. Raiders wide receiver Brian Edwards has a foot and ankle injury. Does seem like he is on his way to getting back. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know if he's even going to kind of crack these three wide receiver sets, though, when he comes back, because Nelson Aguilar is balling everybody. You know, Edwards, I know he's their future, but Aguilar right now is looking like their best wide receiver. Maybe that means Edwards replaces Ruggs, but I just don't really uh, see that happening. Aguilar is the one that's kind of, you know, taking that uh, Edwards role in the offense right now. We'll see. You know, this Browns matchup this week is so windy anyway that I think, uh, you know, with these Raiders pass games options, I know the over-under is pretty high, but... Other than if you know do like a contrarian tournament stack uh, in DFS land, I don't think we should you know put a ton of stock in these guys. They're all going to be, uh, and by all I mean just Aguilar and Rugs. Edwards is not a fantasy rare this week. Uh, Aguilar and Rugs are more you know boomer bust uh, wide receiver three options at best, and someone we should really be relying on. Uh, with the Eagles, you know they have this amazing matchup against the Cowboys this week. Alshon Jeffrey still looking like he's uh, ways away from playing, not practicing with the foot injury. Jalen Rager though will reportedly be playing this week after being on the IR with the thumb injury. So Travis Fulgham's here to stay. He's got a slot, and I think Greg Ward's probably going to be there in the slot. But I think Gregor's going to immediately take over for John Hightower as this uh, offense is kind of outside field-stretching wide receiver. He flashed in his only two games, and he has some serious deep ball uh, tracking ability. So I'm excited to see it. I think this Cowboys matchup you know, could be a little coming-out party for Jalen Rager. If he is out there on the bench in any leagues, everyone, please try to scoop this guy up. I mean, you know, it was a situation where – in college, he didn't put up the craziest numbers, but was pretty much the single most unluckiest uh, wide receiver at TCU just because he really did not benefit at all uh, from their quarterback's uh, sporadic accuracy. Uh, Buccaneers, this wide receiver room, could really use someone like A.B., but they will have to wait until week nine to get him. Uh, Scotty Miller has been limited all week. Should be out there, but he is dealing with a hip and groin injury. Uh, Chris Goblin with the fractured index finger is out for at least this week. And Mike Evans, I mean, he's out there, but he does uh, seem hobble with the ankle that he's kind of just been dealing with all season. So Tyler John Johnson is someone that, you know, as I was reviewing the ranks uh, just tonight, you know, going over these injuries, I bumped up a lot. I think, you know, him and Scotty Miller are legit streaming options. You know, gun to my head, I would probably pick Miller over Tyler Johnson because I'm slave to air yards. But, you know, I do think uh, Tyler as well taking that uh, lower A dot slot role. It could be good. This guy's shown some legit uh, contested catch and yak ability uh, this season in his uh, short spurts. But Evans, so what was interesting with the uses last week, and Goblin didn't really miss much uh, time, but Evans uh, spent more time in the slot than out wide 
side for the first time all season, had a season high 32 snaps inside. And James Bradbury, who has given uh, Evans, you know, all sorts of problems over the years, uh, doesn't really venture into his slot all that often. So look, you're firing up Evans and starting him regardless of the matchup. But interesting, uh, you uh, just know for those uh, Monday night DFS people that, you know, maybe planning on fading uh, just because of James Bradbury. I do think Evans, you know, could actually be free of that matchup a little bit more often than we're anticipating. Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson has not practiced all week with the concussion. It's looking like it's going to be Darnell Mooney season, everybody. He's only 3500 on DraftKings on Sunday. Definitely a legit salary-saving option. I mean, I put together a clip, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, where he has literally about this you know year three potential 50-plus yard better ball touchdowns. I understand you know pressure is kind of in full face on some of these, not the easiest throws, but you know he's putting some great foam out there on Jalen Ramsey, on Carlton Davis, you know making these dudes bite hard on double moves. So. We've seen a lot of good stuff from Darnell Mooney this year. Anthony Miller's going to get some more run. I expect, you know, Javon Wims to probably uh, fill out three wide receiver sets, but I think Mooney's the only one I'm uh, really interested in this week. You know, Saints defense has not been all that great this year by any stretch, but uh, it's also, I think, a more talented defense, and they should be playing better. But, you know, Mooney, someone that could be seeing, you know, eight-plus targets and, you know, hey, in fantasy land, uh, you'll take that, and particularly with all these injuries and bye weeks around. So Mooney, I think, is someone that we can actually kind of put in that wide receiver three conversation I would just say you know he would be a little bit closer kind of that wide receiver three wide receiver four borderline than a wide receiver two lamb Broncos running back Philip Lindsay hasn't practiced all week uh, with the concussion, so it looks like Melvin Gordon's going to be a feature back again in this revenge game against the Chargers. Don't freak out, but look, I mean, he is, you know, your typical volume-based RB2. Same kind of category as Todd Gurley, David Johnson, uh, you know, these types of guys. We're getting 20-plus touches, and that's just incredibly hard to fade, so I understand Gordon hasn't looked like, you know, the best version of himself this year, but, you know, all those touches, you fall into the end zone once, and we're talking about top 20 production, so go uh, to the well here. I wouldn't expect a massive performance, but uh, you know, he should be out there and getting those touches. Uh, Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick has been practicing with a hamstring. Uh, you know, it could condense targets for Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Chargers matchup just isn't that great. I'm a little worried about Drew Locke. He's been, uh, you know, one of the more sensitive quarterbacks to pressure this season. Not exactly what you want to see going into this matchup versus uh, Joey Bosa and company. So, again, Judy, Hamler, they, they kind of fall in like these Raiders wide receivers a little bit and Mooney where, okay, I think, you know, it's a good opportunity to save some salary in uh, DFS uh, situations. But in terms of season long you know we're not really bumping these guys up that more than into that wide receiver three wide receiver four range with the Saints, uh, Michael Thomas actually got to return to practice on Thursday, seemingly has a chance to play through the hamstring and ankle injuries. Uh, if he's out, it looks like Marquez Callaway at least has a chance. He, he returned to practice with an ankle injury. But look, when Michael Thomas is out there, he's going to be a wide receiver one uh, regardless. You know, it's a tough matchup against the Bears, but uh, Michael Thomas, one of those guys that we can truly, you know, uh, position for double-digit targets on a weekly basis. And that is just incredibly rare in today's NFL. A uh, quick shout-out before we keep on going. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collins, which is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field 49ers all pro corner Richard Sherman the Chris Collins with podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast they'll provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too and additionally Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that's happening in the great game of football so mark your calendars you do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season 
on the Giants. So Devontae Freeman with this ankle injury didn't practice on Thursday. Wayne Gallman is going to get a lot of touches. The only problem is that they're facing the Buccaneers who have just shut down literally everybody on the ground this season. And I think they have the kind of pressure uh, to just ruin Daniel Jones in this offensive line. So, you know, Wayne Gallman, definitely not a bad guy to have on your bench. You know, he's not someone that's going to be uh, cracking, you know, my top 24 backs this week by any stretch. But volume, volume, volume. We're always chasing that fantasy football land and Gallman has it. And, you know, if uh, Freeman does remain sidelined, uh, we will have matchups down the road that we can take better advantage of. I mean, he does play in the NFC East, of course. Uh, staying in the division, Miles Sanders with the knee injury, not practicing all week. So Boston Scott, RB2 season again, people. And look, part of the reason why, uh, you know, we were confident last week going into the Thursday night game that his role will be different than week one was because of the lack of, uh, you know, weapons that were around and kind of still are around now compared to uh, week one we saw, when we saw Corey Clement, you know, have more of a role in the offense. So Rager's back. Dallas Goddard seems to be getting close, but, you know, they're still thin. And Scott, you know, with that awesome kind of game-winning touchdown he had last week, he looks like the best running back out there. I think he is the best running back out there. So I understand, you know, he might just be the giant slayer and he's not exactly someone that can uh, ball how against any other defense, but we are facing the Cowboys after all. I, I'm confidently uh, treating Boston Scott as a top 15 option at the position this week. With the Vikings, it does look like Dalvin Cook is going to be back with his groin injury. And uh, offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak said that uh, Cook probably won't be on a pitch count. You know, Kubiak also said that, you know, he doesn't consider there to be any difference when Dalvin Cook versus Alexander Madison is on the field. So got to take, uh, you know, his coach speak with a little bit of a grain of salt. But, I mean, it's Dalvin Cook. When he's out there, top five RB in real life and fantasy. Don't overthink it, particularly not against a Packers defense that's allowed more fantasy points per game against RBs than anybody else in the league. Uh, Bills wide receiver John Brown practiced in full Wednesday and Thursday should be out there. He roasted Stephon Gilmore for a long touchdown last year, which was, uh, you know, awesome. And I felt like bringing it up because I love my guy, Smokey Brown. Still going to be the Stephon Diggs show, but, you know, I think it does help the offense uh, having John Brown out there. I think it was... um my name PFS Andrew Erickson, who uh, comes on here and does the game by game breakdowns uh, with us. But I think he brought up the point that, you know, hey, Josh Allen really hasn't been as good with John Brown sidelined. And, you know, I, I didn't I kind of scoffed at it at first because Stefan Diggs is so good and Gabriel Davis isn't bad. But, you know, John Brown, he really is someone that helped bring Josh Allen up a lot in 2019. I mean, he's certainly one of the better number two receivers in the league on the outside when he's uh, right and healthy. So, you know, his impact on the offense as someone that's, you know, been telling you guys all season, you know, when these quarterbacks don't have the number one wide receiver receivers uh, it can be a problem even though you know brown is their number two wide receiver his absence you know still plenty capable of impacting that offense and i think getting him back will give them you know a better chance than ever to put up some points against bill belichick and company all right, everyone. PSA here. AJ Brown is fine. He misses every Thursday practice. They are resting him because they want their freaking monster to be healthy here moving on out. So the knee injury, you know, hey, it's still there. I know he's on the injury report and you get your little notification every Thursday and you panic or you see someone tweet about it, but he is fine. Continue to treat AJ Brown as the every week wide receiver one that we've been hyping him up uh, as since the summer. Uh, Mark Ingram with the Ravens hasn't practiced all week with the ankle. So look, best case, we get 50% snaps for Gus. Edwards, he kind of gets more of the early down work. J.K. Dobbins, the other 50%, and he gets more of the pass down work. And then it's like a thunder-lightning approach. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think Justice Hill could be annoyingly involved, you know, with the Steelers matchup. No Devin Bush, but still not anyone's idea of a good spot. So hopefully, you know, these kind of touch ranges go from like 8 to 12 to uh, 12 to 15, but 
I just wouldn't hold my breath on expecting either Edwards or Dobbins to get fed. We do have the post-week, uh, post-bye week kind of storyline going with Dobbins, but it's hard to fire up either of these guys, you know, as top uh, 24, even 30 options at the position. There's still just so much uncertainty going on with the touches, and I really do think there's a chance that Justice Hill just kind of slides in as the number three guy. Uh, about six more here, everyone. Thank you for sticking with me, as always, on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Aaron Jones hasn't practiced all week the calf injury, uh, which means that's going to be Jamal Williams' season again. He's a legit RB1 with the role. Do I, does it make sense that the Packers, you know, drafted A.J. Dillon in round two, uh, had an injured Aaron Jones, and just did not give A.J. Dillon more than five touches? Of course it doesn't make sense, but that's the reality we live in. Jamal Williams is a legit fantasy RB1 uh, when Aaron Jones is out. I have him one spot ahead of Giovanni Bernard, who is also expected to be uh, you know, a top 12 RB again this week with Joe Mixon not having practice all week with the foot. So I have both these guys ahead of Miles Gaskin, Ronald Jones, Boston Scott, just realize, you know, we're not talking true top five, top six talents, but uh, these are, you know, three down packs that are getting those types of roles. Uh, Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard has returned to practice with the core muscle surgery. Go scoop him up, everyone. He is the Packers' number two wide receiver when healthy, and it sounds like that that health is coming back uh, sooner rather than later. Cowboys quarterback Andy Dalton remains in the concussion protocol. Looks like Ben Naducci season, uh, you know, still start Amari Cooper and Zico Elliott. That is it for now. Really worried about this line against the Eagles pass rush. Colts tight end Mo Ali Cox is back at practice with a knee injury. Not good for Trey Burton. This is a three tight end committee. Burton might be the number one pass game option, but still awfully crowded at the position. Uh, Patriots, you know, Edelman with the knee injuries, he'll be out for some period of time and undergoing a procedure. Nikhil Harry in the concussion protocol still. So we have Demir Bird, Gunnar Olsweski, my bad in that pronunciation, and Jacoby Myers uh, as the only healthy wide receivers. I think the, you know, only guys you can kind of rationalize starting right now, maybe Cam if you're, you know, just really hoping on the rushing upside going, but I probably probably wait a week. James White is probably the only one. I do think he'll see a lot more targets with uh, these injuries at receiver, and that is literally it at the moment. Uh, with the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins still not practicing with a hamstring injury. It's Tyreek Hill and Demarcus Robinson on the outside. Byron freaking Pringles playing ahead of Mecole Hardman. So Mecole, you know, still not really startable. He's just not getting enough snaps. He needs to make the most out of his limited touches. In the passing game, you know, it's Kelsey, Hill, probably Clyde and Le'Veon. And we're looking at Robinson kind of being a number four, even five pass game option more weeks than not. Just focus on the big guys in the Chiefs offense. And last one here, everyone, Jamison Crowder is back practicing a limited fashion with a groin injury. If he's out there, we can treat him like a legit top 20 option at the position. Jets love him. Say we will about Adam Gase. The man knows how to get a fancy, uh, relevant slot receiver out there, and that is just about the only thing we can thank him for. So if Crowder remains out, maybe you know Denzel Mims could be someone we really uh, want to throw a dart at, but otherwise stay far, far, far away from this Jets offense. Maybe LaMichael P. Ryan a little bit, you know, as a top uh, 30, top 32 running back option, but you know, just not the type of team we want to be associated with too often. Uh, they do have the league's single worst point differential after all. All right, everyone, that's going to do it. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian Hardis, and we bring this to you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, throughout the season, you know, watching every game, trying to look at every single snap. Just want to give you all the best information possible so we can all decipher it together and hopefully bring home the fantasy football glory at the end of the season. So thank you again for listening. As always, I'm Ian Hardis. This has been the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 